It's Tuesday, July 14th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Supernova, Aaron Bush and David Kretzman. Happy Bastille Day, gentlemen. Hey, Chris. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that we've got like maybe one listener in France, and they're 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 having a party today. I don't even know if Bastille Day is a big party in France, but I, you know, whenever there's cause for independence, I like to think someone's celebrating somewhere. Give a shout out. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk online retail. We're going to dip into the full mailbag, but let's start with GoPro because shares of GoPro up around six percent today. And David, this is. Uh, tell me if there are other reasons, but the main reason, maybe the only reason, appears to be that Barclays came out with a note on GoPro. They upgraded the stock, and I don't know about you. I'm. I, I don't pay a ton of attention to um, just the. Fa- Let me back up. Sometimes, often. Someone will come out with an upgrade, and a stock will pop a little bit. Someone will come out with a downgrade, the stock will drop a little bit. And and a lot of times, that's just sort of herd mentality. I read some of this note, and they appear to have done their research quite nicely. And I think if you're a GoPro shareholder, you got to be encouraged by what they were writing. Yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride for GoPro over the past year or so. The company's been public for a little over a year now. It's uh, been <laughs> a bumpy ride. Uh, but now, I think what Barclays is, is recognizing, and more people on Wall Street are recognizing, is that GoPro is for real. You can't ignore this company anymore. The cameras are selling incredibly well. Uh, sales are growing over 50%. Earnings are growing at a faster clip than that. Uh, the company is developing new cameras. They just came out with the Session camera, which is a camera that's the size of an ice cube. So. They're uh, maintaining their hardware lead. They're working on software to make it easier for users to edit and share videos that they capture with GoPro cameras. Uh, they're going to be launching new products like a, a drone next, early next year in 2016. So the company is is really uh, proving that this is the innovator. They're leading the space. They have a f- dedicated founder and CEO with Nick Woodman. So a lot of things clicking with the company. You can't ignore GoPro anymore, and I think you have to take the company seriously. A lot of people thought. GoPro was a fad when uh, the IPO happened last year. A lot of people have been calling GoPro a fad, but I think now they're starting to recognize that no, there is something to the company. You can't ignore them anymore. Well, and Aaron, you know, one of the things in this note when we talk about companies that uh, are in the technology space and are producing any type of hardware, we know history tells us that over time the price of consumer hardware technology comes down, mm-hmm. uh, gross margins come down. And one of the things in this note was no, actually, in the case of GoPro, their gross margins are going up. Right. That's pretty astonishing. No, it's a big deal. And I think, I mean, David kind of hit it on the head, but one of the biggest worries has been the commoditization of this. But over time, you also see that there are a few brands that pop up here and there that can defy um, the commoditization. You know, Apple being the largest example, and I think we are seeing that to some degree here with GoPro as well. Um, and so that's step one, getting that presence, and then step two is building the ecosystem. And so that goes, I mean, along the lines of adding new cameras, um, getting along, get setting deals with sports, you know, teams and leagues. And then you know, just building out the software and all that that David mentioned to kind of build that up, and that's what creates this the stickiness that will last over time. I can see someone looking at this stock and saying, "Okay, well, when it's trading close to a hundred dollars a share, I'm not interested." And now that it's in sort of the mid fifties, 
okay, I, you know, to your point, it's not going anywhere. You, you know, this is this is a company with that appears to have some staying power. Hmm. But let's talk about the stock for a second. Is this I, I, how pricey is this? Obviously, not as pricey as when it was trading in the high nineties, but this probably isn't still a very cheap stock. No, it doesn't look cheap uh, with traditional metrics, but this is a company that I think will be able to grow more consistently and keep this level of growth for a longer uh, period of time than a lot of people anticipated over the past year. So, this is a company that I, I expect will be able to grow sales above 25 or 30% annually for at least the next three years. I would, I would say next three to five years at least. And as you mentioned, margins are increasing. So I think it's really astonishing that the best-selling cameras for GoPro are their four and $500 cameras. Like Those make up over half their camera sales right now. So, people are buying the top-end uh, cameras that GoPro has. And then, then you have to recognize that there's a lot of optionality with GoPro right now. So they're going to be moving into drones. Uh, they're going to start creating their own like GoPro originals. So they're moving, becoming more and more of a content company. So this is a company that three years from now will look a lot different. It won't just be about the cameras. The cameras might still be kind of a key tenant of it, but they're also moving into virtual reality and 360 degree cameras and things like that. So this is a company. Um, it won't look the same in three years, but I would I would expect that along the way they'll be able to keep this level of growth and justify what might be a premium valuation today. And in a very short amount of time, they have already, as far as I can tell, they have already claimed the brand being the go-to brand for the space to the point where competitors are just sort of referred to as GoPros. Like, oh, is that a is that a GoPro? No, it's a blank, but. You know, yeah, it does the same thing. All the other brands, I would say, like Garmin and Sony, they're they're playing catch up to GoPro. They're following GoPro. GoPro is the innovator in the space, and that's in Rule Breakers and in Supernova. Those are the companies we love. The innovators like GoPro and Amazon. So, I think GoPro is in a great position. The company, the margins are increasing. Free cash flow uh, is is growing. The company's free cash flow positive. They have a good amount of cash and no debt. Right now, the company is in a good position for a tech company. I don't think you've seen anything quite like it in the consumer electronics space since Apple. So, it'll be an interesting company to follow. A lot of interesting things going on with the company right now. As I mentioned, today is Bastille Day. Tomorrow, July fifteenth, is Amazon's twentieth anniversary. And as we talked about a little bit last week, Aaron, it is Prime Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're using their Anniversary as an opportunity to try and get more people into Prime, and as and as you and Mark Reith and I talked about last week, historically this is not a great quarter for this business, and so you know you can call it calculated or you can call it smart or both, mm-hmm. but uh, this is their move to try and get people, you know, offer them a, th- a free thirty day trial for Prime. I get that this is going to be good for consumers, particularly now that you have this week Walmart stepping up and right. saying, "Hey, we've got our own promotions in terms of what we're going to do in terms of dropping the minimums for free shipping and that sort of thing." So, uh, you know, this is going to be a good week to do online shopping if you're a consumer, but do they need this to move the needle? And I say this as a long-term shareholder. I kind of feel like they do. Uh, you know, even allowing for the fact that this is just something they're sort of inventing, I feel like they need to produce something with this. Mm-hmm. I think I think it does move the needle, but more than that, it accelerates the needle moving. And so, when I kind of see Prime Day, I really think about it as Amazon just making a firm statement. They're basically saying, "We will be the first choice retailer that you buy from." Period. Now, let us show you how. Um, and so. 
I mean, really, kind of the best way to think about that is if the deals are good, people will come, and if the ecosystem is good, people will stay, and that's really what Amazon has been trying to to do over the past several years with Prime, and I think they're now getting to the point to where the ecosystem is strong enough that they feel comfortable going out and creating their own new day just for themselves. Um, that they they probably will because their Amazon lose money on tomorrow. But over time, the long-term implications of that are probably going to be pretty astounding. And if you take um, tomorrow and then play that out for several years, I can totally see how that could be a big deal. I can see that happening. I mean, I'm I'm more cynical than you. I just sort of look at this. When I first heard about this, I thought, oh, okay, come Mm -hmm. on. Like like we talked about last week, I was sort of like, oh, come on. This is just like retailers getting together and let's let's have our own. Our own day, just so we can drive sales, and that's you know that's fine. That's fine. Now that being said, what we have seen historically from Amazon in terms of Prime memberships is the end of the year when people are running up against the holidays in mm-hmm. December, and that's when they say, "Look, I'm going to have to do a lot of shopping online. It's worth the money to me." It'll be interesting to see how successful this becomes, because it strikes me. That if the if this is successful, then we're going to hear about it on the next conference call because mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos and his team really play things close to the vest, particularly when it comes to Prime memberships. They never really give that number out, but sometimes if if things are going well, they'll sort of point directionally as to how they're going. And I think if they don't really talk about this all this much, then we can just sort of chalk it up as well. Maybe it was a small win, but not as big as they were hoping. I think if they're talking this up three months from now. Then we can expect to see this uh, this time next year. Mm-hmm. And as we also talked about last week, this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. So Alibaba in China, they Singles Day, Singles Day, <laughs> which is the largest um, retail day by far um, in the world, because because they just came out and decided to make it, you know, their special Alibaba Day for singles. So it, it, you it, know, someone wanted to name it Alibaba Day, <laughs> and they couldn't get that clear. Um, and so they're like, "Well, let's celebrate singlehood." <laughs> no, no, sure, but just the idea that it has happened before, and it is a different culture. It is a different um, place, and Alibaba is a bigger business. But if it worked there, then I think it makes sense that it could work here as well. I got to make a gratuitous plug for um, our ebook. Which you can get on Amazon, the Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners. It's two dollars ninety nine cents. So as gratuitous plugs go, this is this is a pretty darn inexpensive one. It's basically like you know, give up your latte for one day and and uh, get on the path to uh, investing better. But uh, you can get it for yourself or or for a friend. Uh, the Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners ebook, just two dollars ninety nine cents. I mean, come on, that's not. And if you're if you're one of those voracious readers who has the Kindle Unlimited, it's free. So there you go. Radio at fool dot com is our email address. Question from Sam Ulrich in Atlanta, Georgia, longtime listener, first time writer. As a young adult, some would call millennial even. I am attempting to invest in long run holdings instead of quick return stocks. Let me just stop right there and say that's that's a good move, pretty much whatever age you are. So so well done. Uh, he goes on to write: How should someone my age or younger take into account the transition from baby boomers being the dominating consumer group to millennials and their completely different mindset being the main buying power? That's a that's a great question, David, and one that I, I'm I'm sure we're we're just starting to scratch the surface in terms of, of what we're seeing in terms of buying habits. But 
um, if you're looking to invest accordingly in in various trends, as as Sam touches on, certainly uh, one of the trends we're going to see over the next 10, 20 years is baby boomers sort of being. I don't want to say being phased out because that sounds Orwellian, but sort of phasing out as being the main driver of consumer shopping, and millennials rising in their influence. Yeah, there there are a few trends, and I'm sure Aaron will touch on some of these too. Um, and, and you could list off a whole bunch of them, but a few that stick out to me uh, first is that millennials, I would say, are more engaged consumers, especially with social media. They love to interact with the brands. They love to be involved with the brands on a, in a whole. More personalized level uh, than you've ever seen before. So, companies that don't have a presence on social media, companies that aren't uh, making that effort to engage with consumers in a really meaningful and authentic way, uh, companies that aren't doing that, I think, will, will struggle uh, more and more in the years ahead as millennials do get more buying power in the, um, in the coming years. Another thing is that they're not influenced by advertising the same way. So these are not people who are scrolling on a desktop and they see a banner ad and they say, "I, I want to buy that," or they're not impacted by uh, television ads as much. Again, so the plug I just gave for our ebook, I didn't, I didn't. That's know, that, not going to work at it's all. It's a little bit more organic and authentic, <laughs> so that might work. But uh, we, we might have to get more creative on market glory. <laughs> but uh, so that's something we can work on here. But um, they really just don't want their time wasted. I think with a lot of advertising, they see it as you know wasting time. So if they TiVo a program or something, they're just going to scroll through the advertising. They don't care about it. Uh, so wh- whenever companies are trying to reach uh, these consumers, they have to do it in an authentic way. It has to be genuine. Uh, so so that'll be a challenge for companies, but you do see some companies, I think, who are taking that that challenge upon themselves. Uh, and then finally, yeah, I, I would just the overarching point is that they do value authenticity with content and brands, just in general. So they don't want their time wasted. They want companies to be genuine and authentic um, when when they're engaging with these mm-hmm. consumers. Well, and Aaron, in terms of you know the whole idea of don't waste my time. I mean, we've certainly seen some companies succeed with really strong apps mm-hmm. and just making it really easy for people to spend their money quickly, conveniently. Yeah, so the app economy is huge and that I think that's just one piece of the the greater trends that are going on. So, not to say to avoid certain companies completely, but if you really do believe that millennials are kind of taking over on the consumer side, there are some uh, areas to be more skeptical in when you're looking at businesses would just be if they don't understand mobile and the app economy, be a little more skeptical. If they don't understand social social media, be a little more skeptical. Um, relying on old advertising methods, and then I would just say taking design for granted. Um, that's that's another huge thing, and that doesn't necessarily go to any specific company, um, but those are just some some things I would keep in mind. Um, sort of on on the flip side of all of that, what I would look for. Um, first and foremost, really any time, kind of generation aside, is for companies that are creating change, just in general. Um, and kind of taking that further, they're, they're usually at the forefront, if not um, bringing about change um, themselves in, in these emerging trends, mobile, social, um, you name it. And so, I mean, there, there are so many businesses that are doing this. In social mobile, you got Facebook, you know, e commerce, we just talked about Amazon. And then another way to kind of look at this too is, um, sometimes businesses in the same field will just do something a little bit different. So in banking, you got BFI Holding, um, which is you know a branchless bank, but they're just doing it differently and attracting a new group of consumers. And then something like Under Armour as well. 
they they just appeal to a different group of people. So kind of if Nike is the father, then Under Armour is the kid. So there there are so many ways to play this. It's it's crazy. Well, and you've both touched on engagement, and that's something that I've noticed over the last couple of years. Even just like on a on a site like TripAdvisor. Um, where if I'm looking at uh, doing some traveling and looking at a hotel, if I see that someone from the hotel is engaging on the review site, and uh, you know that sends a positive message, like oh okay, they're actually paying attention. You know, to your point, Aaron, about you want to make sure that this company gets mobile, that they truly understand it, that they're not mm-hmm. ignoring it altogether. I mean, those things actually matter. Oh yeah, they they completely matter, and they're going to matter more and more. Um, I mean, it's very clear, even just from past conferences like South by Southwest, that that is something every single business needs to keep in mind if they're trying to appeal to everyone. Otherwise, they're they're probably going to struggle, or at least lose ground to others if they don't fully catch up on that. Is there a balance that that needs to occur in terms of the engagement? Because I I can see. You know, I just mentioned the TripAdvisor example. That's just something that's happening online. Mm -hmm. But you know, I can see situations where, regardless of someone's age, sometimes they just they need the human contact, whether it's in person or over the phone. And it feel it it sort of seems like, depending on the business, you kind of need to balance your customer engagement between online chat, whatever it is, or versus no, we're actually going to staff the phone so that. People can talk to a human being. Yeah, and I don't think there are any. Obviously, I'm not referring to Comcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there are any, you know, set rules here. I think it's something that every business is starting to figure out for themselves more and more in different ways. Some are struggling in some ways, some are struggling in others, um, and so I think we'll continue to see that to see that play out. And then, um, even then, sometimes different groups of people need to be um, interacted with in different ways, and so that's how you're seeing, you know, Whole Foods come out with. You know, 365 by Whole Foods. You're seeing, you know, Amazon has Amazon Student. Um, there, more and more companies are coming out with new kind of sub brands, geared to a, just a different group of people. Yeah, I, I think in, in general, another point you have to recognize there. There was a great TED talk from an author, Simon Sinek. Uh, I think it came out in 2007, 2008, and mm-hmm. he talked about how people uh, don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think that's even more apparent with millennials. They don't care about just what you're selling, they care about how do you treat your employees, how do you treat the environment, how do you treat all the stakeholders. Now, with social media and the internet and you know mobile becoming more and more um, of a dominant force in our society, there's a lot of transparency with what companies do, how they treat their employees, how they treat these different stakeholders, and that's something that millennials really value. So companies that are authentic with how they conduct business and transparent with that, I think those companies will be um, mm-hmm. ones that do well with millennials. David Kretzman, Aaron Bush, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.